I'm Juwita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. If you were to ask most people what possessions they might rush to rescue from a burning home, the answer may surprise you. Many people say that they would want to salvage their photographs, that record of their lives and of the things that matter to them. Photographs move us, remind us of what and who we value, and provide ordinary people an opportunity to reach their creative potential. Pictures also tell stories, documenting events and places for posterity. So great is our fascination with the photograph that even those of us who can't see are attracted by the art form. Rambling through the city during the golden hour, waiting for that perfect snapshot. Today, we discuss blind photography. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello, and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Juita Gupta. This morning, when I was putting the show together, I was thinking to myself, how is it that after, I'd say it's probably been about three years of hosting The Pulse and another two years of producing the show in addition to being the host. How is it that in all this time, despite my incredible fascination with blind photography, I've never actually done an episode about it. It was quite a baffling revelation because although I don't have the time to take up a hobby, much less uh, engage in it seriously as an art form, I have always been intrigued by what people who might be blind see in photography and how they have turned it into an art form. To help me unravel the mystery, I'm joined by a voice you have likely heard a lot on this channel. Amy Amanti is the host of Accessing Art with Amy, which is available as a podcast, and does many other creative things amongst them through the lens, a new interactive exhibit, a new interactive uh, workshop where Amy basically displays some of her photographs and asks audiences to respond. So it's a really great idea, an interesting concept, and Amy is workshopping it even as we speak. Amy, tell me, welcome. First of all, welcome back to the program. It's really good to have you with us. It's lovely to be here, Joita. Thanks for the invite. So I just want to get the obvious question out of the way. If you're low mm -hmm. vision, you probably can't see a lot of detail. If you're nearly fully blind, you know that I have very little vision in my right eye. I have no vision in my left eye. So it is fair mm -hmm. to say that if I were to take a picture, I wouldn't be able to see it at all. So how does blind photography actually work? <laughs> well, uh, it's a great question. One of the questions that we're going to be exploring in the workshop that we are uh, uh, doing this week Um so for me, I have about 2% vision in my left eye and nothing in my right eye. And, uh, and the 2% doesn't include any uh, central. So I don't see anything in detail. So what I do, um, I, I, I randomly connected with, um, with a photographer, literally randomly. I, I met his wife in a mall when I was buying my first iPhone and didn't know how to use it so many years ago now. And she was uh, trying. She was listening to me experiment with the voiceover, and introduced herself. She'd been a teacher of the deaf, um, and then turns out they just lived in my neighborhood. And her husband Rick has been a photography teacher um, at the university level, has shot for National Geographic, and he was interested in this idea. 
And so we connected and, and he said, so how much do you see? So I told him just what I told you. And I said, mostly what I, I catch is light. And he said, great, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you to find the light. So that's been the premise this whole time. And, and like you said, I, I literally walk around in different parts of the Metro, Metro Vancouver area um, and look for golden hours. So that's ju just after sunrise and just sort of before sunset where the sun is at the right spot in the sky. And um, if I see light that catches my eye, I just click away and I don't bog myself down with who or what is in the photo. I just click. Oh, that's so interesting. So you're really pursuing the light. You're not really looking to capture uh, places or people. Is that, is that, do I sort of understand your technique then? Yeah. I mean, this is where I've started. Who knows where, uh, you know, as through my lens continues to develop, who knows how I may explore to take photos next, but that has been the general concept. And what's been interesting about that for me and for my photography mentor, Rick, is that, um, Oftentimes, because he teaches photography, he says often what happens is, is photography students overthink the idea of who's the subject. You know, so you're taking a picture of, I don't know, a forest landscape and all of a sudden a cyclist comes through and, they're, you know, you got half a bicycle in your shot and they go, oh, God, no, you know, it's tragic. You destroyed my shot and everything has to be in the perfect spot. And I don't think about that whatsoever. So what's been happening is, you know, you take uh, with digital photography these days, you click away. And um, I would send them into my photography teacher and he would say to me, you know, he said, you, you submitted a hundred photos and he said, you know, four of them are excellent. And I'd be like four. And he'd be like, do you know how hard it is to get four excellent photos? I had no idea. So apparently it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, but that's, that's kind of the idea, Joita, is that um, if you're not worried about what the content is of your photo to begin with, then what I catch is the light dancing, the light playing, bouncing off of surfaces um, and creating these sort of abstract light images uh, within whatever landscape I'm shooting. My favorite photo is one of an alleyway um, and I walked past it and I nearly missed it, but this piece of light caught my eye on my way home after a busy, busy day and the light had bounced off of, this is what I was told, was described to me. The light had bounced off of like a, a, a mirrored skyscraper in the background, hit a metal staircase, um, um, like a, uh, in the alleyway, like a fire escape, then hit some metal grates. And there was like this lightning bolt of light that went through the space, um, bounced off the brick walls. And my teacher was like, this photo is magic. It's magic. Um, so that was really nice to hear. And it fueled me to continue forward. Do you, do you have, a, you know, on a typical photo shoot, do you typically take mm -hmm. about 100 photographs or is that, a, a, you know, is that a rarity for you to take about 100 photographs? Um, I, that was in my early days that I, I would think to myself, well, I, you know, I was in a space, I think, where a headspace where I thought, I, should, I don't know, because I was new to it, right, that I didn't want to waste the photography. I didn't want to I didn't want to submit photos to my teacher in the thousands because I didn't want him to have to laboriously go through them. Um, and as we continued with our process, because this process for me started, oh, 10 years ago. Right. So um, as we continued in this process, he was like, no, no, just shoot away and send me everything. So, I, you know, I took more and more and more photos as as we went forward. So. Um, yeah, it, the idea, the hope is at the end of this is that we'll put together a photography book called Through My Lens um, and in some way take some kind of film uh, page 
and lay it over top of the photos. And so to some respects, it may um, mimic a little bit about what I see. So folks could lay it on top of the original photo and get a, kind of an idea of what I see through my lens and compare it to what they see through their lens. It's a cool idea, but what else does it accomplish besides giving people an idea of what the world looks like from Amy's point of view? Is there is there a little bit more happening there when people get exposed to images uh, through your mm -hmm. eyes? Yeah, so I mean, the idea of the project is uh, to share. And so there's a, di a digital version of this show uh, for the Folda Festival, which is the Festival of Live Digital Arts out of Kingston. Spiderweb Show uh, is the producer. They commissioned me to do this digital piece, and I never thought of this as a digital piece. It was a, a live piece that I did at the Vines Festival here in Vancouver in a park last summer. Uh, and the idea is, is that we will display the photographs. Uh, we will do some interesting, which hasn't been discovered yet, but some interesting digital techniques. We all have integrated description and ASL throughout the performance. Um, and then I will ask folks from the audience to describe my photos. And now those of us in the blind community are fairly familiar with, with audio description and description in general. Um, and what I'm interested in is less about the laundry list of stuff like that's important it's a photo it's got a tree it's got a, a, an ocean whatever it's got in it right i want to know about memory i want to know about what grabs your attention i want to know about um uh the subjectivity so it's one thing for somebody to say you know i, I like this in my artwork in general when i go to a gallery and somebody says yes it's a picture of a a painting of a red bicycle and i think to myself that's yeah, wah, wah, kind of boring. Thanks for sharing. Um, but if somebody says, you know, what's interesting is I had a bicycle just like this when I was a kid. Um, and then they go into a story and we have a discussion. Um, one of the most impactful things I ever heard when the Mona Lisa was described to me with subjectivity was the describer said, and this is not a trained describer, but the describer said, she looks at us as if she's keeping a secret. And that was so evocative for me because normally I would get, she looks at us with like a, a those slight smile with a quick in the corner, right? Uh, so the evocative language, the conversation with folks, the exploration and the, and the engagement, but also in that the osmosis of allowing people to just jump right on in and describe. Because I think there's a lot of folks who feel like, I can't do this, I'm not trained, I'm so scared. Um, so there's kind of a, what I call edutainment. We're gonna educate and we're gonna entertain at the same time. I was listening to the audio you sent over, the video you sent over at the Wines Festival, and there you've mm -hmm. got people doing this little Q&A, and you know, are, are mm -hmm. you a person who likes to dwell on memories? Are you sensitive? When I was listening to that, mm -hmm. it felt like I was filling out a dating profile on a website or something. Mm -hmm. What's the point of asking all of those questions? Is it to whittle it down and get the perfect describer? Is there such a thing as the perfect describer? Yeah, I mean, you know, we again, it's an experiment, um, but we had 80 audience members. Uh, at that park, which uh, was overwhelming for me. I didn't expect this, you know, this sort of festival where you just walk through a park and, you know, check out what people are doing, that we'd have that many folks. And so we needed to come up with some kind of, uh, almost like a Simon Says game to whittle folks down. But the idea was, is that we were starting from the very sort of generic framework, um, uh, things that you would look in a typical describer, and then looking for things that were I don't know, more philosophical, asking an audience member to be, to sort of be a little introspective about who they are and what they want to offer or what they think they can offer. I mean, I think one of the questions was like, are you occasionally irrational? 
You know, it's like, and that doesn't mean you're a, a good or bad describer because sometimes that's some of the most interesting stuff because knowing that we bring everything as a human being, everything that we are, every experience we've ever been in up into the moment we describe something means that if I have six people describing to me the same photo, it'll be done in six different ways. And all of those ways are of value because what ends up happening is you get to see the overlap of where the similarities are. And then you get to experience where the differences are between each other person's lens. And so since I've never really seen my photos, it's interesting to me um, to have folks share with me what it is about the photos that they're, uh, you know, how they're interpreting them through their lens. So it's, you know, oft often in performance art, it's all about, a lot of it is about conversation. Um, and that's sort of, you know, we're going to attempt this online and then the hope is, is to continue to develop this work so that it travels in festivals um, across Turtle Island, across Canada at some point. When you were talking, I had this epiphany that I hadn't asked you a really basic question, which is what sort of camera are you using? You mentioned the iPhones. Are you taking <laughs> pictures on your phone or have you invested in a specialized camera? Well, that's interesting. I can tell you that I have no idea what kind of camera I'm using because uh, my photography mentor, Rick, um, lent me a camera. Now, I've had this camera for 10 years, so it's probably been gifted to me by now. And it almost looks a little bit like an old vintage camera, um, even though it's not. So it's, a, it's an older camera. Um, so I don't, I couldn't tell you what it is. Um, I do use my iPhone, but not for, not for the air quotes, professional photography that I'm trying to achieve because it doesn't, you know, in these professional cameras, they have all these fancy settings. And again, I don't set them up. So I meet with Rick. He makes sure all the settings are in the right place. And um, sometimes he comes with me on my on my journey and we walk together because, of course, he's also a photographer. So he can wander and take photos of his own. Um, but what I'm going to be doing is now, since we've got a little, a a little bit of funding for this project, is um, I actually just sent this email last night to Rick and I said to him, hey, are you interested in, you know, coming with me shopping for my first professional camera? I don't want something that's too you know, overwhelming for me to use. I want something that's simple, um, but that'll take good photos. And, um, and, and now going to be exploring into um, some accessibility features around some of these cameras. And my understanding through some community members is that Sony may have a camera that's got some components of accessibility built into it. Um, so I'm going to explore that. But those are, these are all dot, dot, dot things, Joita, um, as I explore how I get my, my first sort of I don't know, SLR or whatever, whatever they're calling these cameras these days. Um, but I'm really excited about it. It's an exciting step because a, a lot of the new digital cameras aren't very accessible. So I'd be very keen to see what you come up with uh, because the iPhone is such a great default option, but it's not really yes. your go-to if you're doing professional photography or videography. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be challenged on that. If there's a videographer listening or a photographer <laughs> listening and they want to make a case for the iPhone, you can always do that. I'm, I'm, it's been a couple of years since we've seen each other, Amy, a pandemic and what have mm. you, but I'm pretty sure you have a white cane that you travel with as well. And you tell I me do. if I'm mistaken. So here you are in Vancouver, strolling down the sidewalk, nipping in and out of alleyways with your white cane and this vintage camera. What sort of reaction mm -hmm. do people get? I mean, you must get mammed. You need help at the best of times. And here you are, you know, doing your thing with a camera. Yep. What have you heard from people? Yes, um, I, I actually heard once a passerby say something like, well, how is that possible? 
And I assume they were referring to me, but I suppose they could have been talking about anything. I, that's, you know, the whole ex blind experience that somebody passes by. You don't really know. But I have heard things. And even when I, I talk about, you know, photography, I have heard folks in my closest circles say, well, how does that happen? How do you do that? But I imagine that folks who see a white cane in a camera may even think that I'm faking it to some extent. Um, and certainly that's the message that I hope people get is that, I'm living my life. I'm doing my thing, right? And and I have every right and capability to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, and so I'm hoping that people look at that and go, hey, I didn't know that there were folks with, you know, white who use white canes that may be taking photos. Um, so that's the that's the impression I hope to leave, but I certainly know that it's probably likely the opposite. Um, I've I've actually I've been questioned a few times in my life when I first lost my sight 15 years ago. Um, I navigated a space a little too well uh, and, and somebody who, uh, there was a committee I wanted to get on and somebody questioned about, um, you know, did I really have a disability? Um, and it was my, my first sort of toss into this idea that the world puts you in a box, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make space for, for our unique experiences, Um so, yeah, so I, I, I am keenly aware that these are things and these are, uh, you know, um, conversations that we'll be exploring and putting into the text um, of this piece, right, as part of the dialogue. So the, the dialogue is ongoing, but one of the things I've been thinking about is you are so busy. <laughs> you're doing this podcast that we talked about accessing art with Amy. Uh, I know you do mm -hmm. some work um, in theater. Uh, you make mm -hmm. amazing jewelry. I'm assuming you do that mm -hmm. still. I do amazing beadwork. So what is it? I mean, you're, you're such an artistic person and art is clearly a way in which you express yourself and, and tap into yeah. your creative side. Uh, what is photography brought to the milieu that you weren't really able to access with some of the other things that you're involved with? Oh, I think for me, um, photography is, uh, look, listen, creating art is challenging anyways. It's supposed to be challenging. It's not supposed to be easy. Um, and I, I am exploring more and more what my artistic practice is um, post sight loss because I was an actor before sight loss. Um, and after sight loss, you know, I, I, I probably did the same thing that anybody who acquires a disability does where they say to themselves, well, who would want like where's where's the where's their room for me on a stage or how do I read a script? All of those things where you second guess yourself. Um, and I let all of that go, Joita, because it was important for me to do my thing the way I wanted to do it. And so for me, photography um, was part of so my what I'm calling what I'm coining my artistic practice is an artist of opportunity. And when I met Tina, Rick's wife, uh, in the mall, playing with my iPhone, um, that was an opportunity. And I thought, this I don't know how I would do this either, but why wouldn't I not take the opportunity to explore this? And I do that in all of my artwork. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be glass blowing this summer. Don't ask me how that's gonna happen, um, but it's all the pieces are in place. And so I'm gonna learn how to glass blow. Another thing that, folks with vision loss are not air quotes expected to be able to do, right? Um, so I, I, you know, photography for me challenges my own assumptions of what I can do and what I enjoy to do. And I think serves as, um, as a challenge to folks to, who don't live with sight loss and maybe folks who do. 
um, about what it is that that I'm personally capable and what I enjoy doing. So for me, there's a challenge there that I enjoy. For me, there is um, uh, the conversations that I enjoy around the um, you know the production of the photos and and what people are experiencing. And as I continue on this journey, I am going to be expanding my photography practice. So I'm going to be learning a lot about other forms of photography um, and how to, uh, you know, how to take photos in a different way than what I'm doing now. Because you start at one place, place and you grow. And so part of what's the joy of this is the journey of that growth. I can't believe you're taking up glass blowing. That is unreal. <laughs> that is wow. Uh, Through my lens is, uh, is 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 scheduled to be held on June 10th. Tell us a little more about where people can go to sign up and uh, what they can expect yeah. from the event. Yeah. So there is. Um, uh, this is the uh, uh, Festival of Live Digital Arts Folda F O L D A. And really all I do is Google Folda 2022 uh, and their website will come up. Uh, and through my lens is the particular show. This is uh, what they call an alpha presentation. So really there's no pressure to have a like a completed show, right? It's an experiment. And so we share the work. It'll happen at 5 p.m. Pacific time online. Uh, so anybody can access it and tickets can be found by clicking. Uh, there's three different ticket prices, but there's also going to be a watch party for folks in the blind and low vision community hosted by Kim Kilpatrick, who's also uh, an AMI friend. Um, so I think all of that information can be found on the Folda website. Um, if not, folks can reach out to me directly and I can get them uh, tickets or uh, I can get them free tickets if they're in the blind community and connect them with the watch party. Um, so I would say you can contact me at Amy, A-M-Y, at vocali, V-O-C-A-L-E-Y-E dot C-A. So, Amy, just before I let you go, I got to squeeze in one last question. And in order to ask my question, I have to provide a bit of context. So I'm lying in bed last night. It's about six in the morning here in Toronto. And my husband's nudging me in the ribs saying, are you going to get up? It's six o'clock. You need to get out of bed. What are you looking at your phone for? And I said, look, I'm trying to arrange an interview for The Pulse. Um, now, just for context, I'm out here on, in Toronto. But you, Amy, are in Vancouver. So you're three hours behind us. Do you ever get any sleep? Yeah, I, I was responding to you, wasn't I? Yeah, um, we were we were email exchanging, and I no, I don't. I don't sleep very often. I've got a lot of projects on the go, and um, I got two metaphors. One is I got lots of I got my fingers in lots of pies, and they all taste good. <laughs> and my second metaphor is, you know, when you juggle plates, you got many plates in the air, but they're all corningware, so when they collide, <laughs> they don't shift. So, <laughs> that is, and if those are the metaphors of my life. <laughs> Amy, thank you very much for chatting with us. I'm Good luck on the show. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Thank you. That was my conversation with Amy Amanti, host of Accessing Art with Amy, a podcast heard right here on AMI-audio. We were talking about Amy's upcoming show on June 10th. Through My Lens is an exhibit held online where Amy will be discussing her photographs with audience members. You can always check out the Folda website for tickets or get in touch with Amy directly if you're having trouble getting tickets through the website or if you'd like to attend the watch party hosted by Kim Kilpatrick. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Our technical producer today is our summer student, Grace Scofield, assisted by Sam Robinson. Andy Frank is the manager for ami Audio. If you have any feedback about the show, you can, of course, reach us on Twitter at AMI-audio and use the hashtag PulseAMI or send us an email right to feedback at AMI.ca. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks a lot for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day. <laughs>